Hi there. Thanks so much for joining me. My name is Jonathan Mills Patrick. I'm a former C-level bank executive and three-time startup founder who loves to talk about all things life design, entrepreneurship, and finance. If you found value in the content I'm about to share, please consider leaving a rating on iTunes or any other podcast platform as that helps more entrepreneurs find the show. For more ways to connect with me, please visit my website at jonathanmillspatrick.com. On today's episode, I interview Sidharth Jan, who owns GrapherID.com. It's a IT and app development, mobile development company based in India. They have just opened an office in the United States. And Sid and I talk about all things entrepreneurship and startups, as well as some of his advice. Some of the nuggets you'll hear in here are how your customers can be your best investors and the process his company uses to validate startup ideas when they work with customers. All right, Sid, welcome to the show. Thanks for hanging out with me today. It's nice to meet you. Hi, Jonathan. Good morning. Uh, it's a pleasure to be talking to you today. Yeah, absolutely. So it's barely past morning here. So where is it where you are? What what time of day is it right now where you are? Is it around 8, 9 o'clock maybe? Uh, it's almost 10.30. Oh, man, you're staying up late to talk to me. So we better make this good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be great. Yeah, it should be should be a lot of fun to talk startups and entrepreneurship with you. So you're coming to us from from India, uh, which is which is awesome. So uh, for the audience' sake, I, as we were talking before we got started, I sort of tried to to do a little bit of research and 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 see uh, how you got to where you are today. But the audience tends to love a really good origin story. So could you share a little bit about your maybe your education and how you got to uh, being a creator of a startup? Absolutely. So I belong from a very small town called Barwa. It's uh, almost 60 kilometers from uh, the city where I am in right now, which is Indore. And uh, so that I that's a small village. So we barely used to have any schools or colleges over there. And uh, talk about uh, English communication, right? Like uh, in India, Hindi is the natural language. Sure. So we did not have any English uh, schools at that time, international schools at that really? time in the village. Yeah. So my dad took the bold decision uh, of uh, shipping us to the city side. And I mean, he just thought that's going to be great for the kids. So we came to the city. Uh, we started over extremely tough, uh, you know, moving from a village to a city. It has its own problems. Uh, we shipped it there. Uh, and uh, I guess uh, then the journey kind of began uh, when I started doing my education. I started uh, uh, growing and then I wanted to myself go into a bigger city called Mumbai, which I think uh, is what the, the second name for India could be in on a global stage. Right, right. So what, what were some of those changes you noticed between really small city and big city? What were some of the maybe the, the goods and the and the challenges as well? What did you notice about it? I think it's mostly about the adaptability, uh, how you come in and how you perform, right? Like uh, that is that is also something very common between when you shift from in service industry to starting your own business, right? Like when you're working for somebody versus how you shift to making that adjustment. So it's basically pulling you out from your comfort zone and putting you into a whole different zone uh, where you know you're struggling to make a space for yourself where you're trying to fit in you're yeah. not sure whether you should be your original self or you should just adapt to what you're seeing around you and somewhere you tend to lose yourself because uh, again as as humans we are bound to be social so so at times it, uh, in the initial days it was extremely tough i remember climbing myself 
because i was very tough for uh, uh, you know guy coming from a village who could barely speak any english into a school which was all high and fancy mm. and you know uh, so yeah so did, so looking back do you think your father made the right call though did you do you think it worked out worked out good i think absolutely yeah. he kept push, putting us into uncomfortable situations where you know we had to decide between what we would really want to be and how we really want to represent ourselves and i think that is one of the most important thing because see today sitting here uh, you know we i basically am still in the same city in dol Uh, while I have traveled the world across, and uh, about ninety percent of our customers are outside India. Wow! So I think, yeah. So I think that uh, that that particular nap ability was uh, adopted uh, right from the school days, and that's all thanks to that. Right, and paid off because that's part of, and we'll get to the company, but it's part of running a startup yourself and working with startups is the adaptability, which is a is a really great point. I'm curious if I'm going to lead you here a little bit. Were you a good student? I saw some comments on your profile about your your history as a student. Were you a good student, or just uh, maybe focused on other things? Not at all. So I was. Uh, uh, I would say I was an average student. I was. I was basically the last bencher that you have in these schools, right? So I never. <laughs> I never focused too much on these studies. Uh, I was just comfortable in uh, the subjects that I was really confident in. and uh, i used to make sure i was not one of those guys who would stand you know sit up uh, 12 am uh, in the night and you know be studying yeah. for the exam i couldn't be that guy i used to enjoy going out you know participating meeting people understanding who they are what it is i was more of a logic guy so right. in, in school and in college there were few subjects in which i used to be the university topper and there were few subjects in which i used to barely pass <laughs> Sure, but I think that's important for people that are going to listen to this to know. Is you don't have to be the best student, right? You know, you had your own strengths you could focus on. I read a little bit. It looks like you really enjoy sports too. So you may have been, may have been enjoying some sports instead of just going out all the time. So that's that's really cool. You you got your undergrad degree in computer engineering. Is that right? Yeah, I did software uh, engineering, uh, and uh, like you said, I played a uh, national level for almost uh, four different sports. I played international for one particular sport, uh, which was baseball, and uh, I definitely did my engineering from Mumbai. And then I joined Accenture, uh, which is also the, one of the biggest IT companies in the world. Really, really big company. I've done some work with them. Actually, not not too far in the in the distance here recently myself. Really, really big company. So for folks who don't know, Accenture is one of one of the top. Uh, Management consulting firms in the world, really. I I want to say they have a couple hundred thousand employees. So you worked with them. You, you graduated from college. I think it was around 2016, somewhere around there from university. Is that right? Uh, I graduated in 2014, and 14, I was working right. with Accenture from 2014 to 2016. I created a good name for myself. Uh, initially, when I joined, I just went out to play because Accenture gives you a lot of free time in the initial days. <laughs> Sure. So I joined probably, there. Probably a lot of learning opportunities, though, working for a, a company like that. Hundred percent, hundred percent. I wouldn't be what I am without uh, Accenture. So while while I graduated from college, I was already working with a lot of startups as a freelancer, uh-huh. and uh, I already had a lot of background knowledge. Uh, but when I joined Accenture, that is where the doors really opened, and I realized that the huge amount of opportunity it has to offer. 
so that is where uh, the things really started moving. I really developed a very deep interest into technology. Right. And so uh, I have my dates wrong there. It looks like in 2016 is when you founded your current company. Could you tell us a little bit about it and what, what you do there? Yeah, so I started Graphers ID in 2016. Uh, we are a website and a mobile application development company. Uh, we also provide uh, dedicated developers on monthly contracts. Like the world knows that, uh, you know, India is the IT capital of the world. For so sure. we provide, uh, you know, we ensure that the companies across the world have a direct access to the Indian talent. That is what we are trying to do. Very cool. And walk us through a little bit about that thought process between being in Accenture and saying, you know what, I'm going to go start my own company. What was it about that that, that, that sort of made you make that leap? What, tell us about the circumstances there. Yeah, so like I mentioned, you know, I was uh, working with these startups right from the college, right? And uh, one of these guys, uh, so I have been very involved in the journey uh, for each person that I've worked with, right? I used to enjoy listening to the ideas enjoy brainstorming how the idea is going to go to the market, how are they going to acquire their first thousand customers, what role is the technology going to play in it. Um, you know, we, how we all know that, uh, you know, there is only a few startups which actually become successful mm -hmm. and about 90% of them fail, right? Now, if you also see the background of these founders, uh, how they actually do things is... Uh, they are putting a lot of their hard work, a lot of their efforts and a lot of their savings, right? Like really hard on savings. Some people are starting in their 30s, some are starting in their 50s, some are starting in their 70s. So everyone wants to be stable. Now, when somebody's putting so much of time, effort and energy uh, and it all becomes a failure with 90% as a failure rate, it's really tough to see, especially when I was involved with them, you know, it was tough for me to see my clients suffer that much and uh, that is something that I did not feel comfortable about. So I thought that uh, maybe, you know, there is something going wrong. How can, I mean, the world is filled with smart people. How can so many people be failing? There must be something common which people are not trying to figure out. And that is when I said that, oh, you know what, I'm just going to go into something that I really feel strongly about, where I wake up every day in the morning and I want to have that kick uh, right. uh, in, in the veins. Was it, was it nerve wracking to, to, to make that leap? You sort of, you, you found your passion and wanted to chase it, but was there any part of you that was like, well, this, this is risky for me as well. hundred percent. It was scary as hell. Uh, the, I remember it was extremely, so, you know, like imagine like a 24, 26 year old guy uh, sitting out in the market and saying, okay, I want to work with the biggest products <laughs> and the biggest uh, tech companies out there. Sure. And I want to tell them that how the business is going to be done. And, you know, people, sometimes people used to laugh. Sometimes they used to make fun that, you know, what do you know about business? You have barely done any yourself. Right. And I used to say like, fair point. <laughs> I won't uh, doubt that. But I have my own expertise and I want to showcase that. So it was very tough in the start to convince people on what my expertise were and what I what problem I was trying to solve, which is already such a huge problem. I did a simple process. I went online. Uh, just like you, I was trying to write a lot of blogs, meet to a lot of people. And I think LinkedIn was a great platform. So I used to write everything that I knew. Like I used to create my own scenarios. I used to post online that if this was the scenario, how would I solve it? Ah. If uh, this was my company, how would I do it? These are the 10 companies which have failed. If I would be there, how would I solve it with the help of technology? 
and some of those people really connected with what i was trying to say and they felt like yes this guy knows what he is doing and that is how i started getting my customers very so, cool so i had like a few hundred dollars in my pocket when i was starting out i could not afford and proper office i could not afford employees i could not afford even a laptop a proper good laptop you know sure uh, but yeah how i think that is how the startup journey is and today we we have almost uh, 100 150 plus employees we have worked with hundreds of uh, startups and i'm very proud to say that almost 70% of our clients are successful and are profitably operating. That's today. that's something I I noted as well that that uh, when I was kind of doing some research to think about do what, can we touch on that for a minute? What is it you think that sort of why that success rate for clients? What is it about the process that you do that sort of increases that likelihood of success? I think the process is the extremely important thing that is what is something that differentiates us in the market. so uh, we we very stringently follow the sdlc process which is software development life cycle mm-hmm. we start with the requirement uh, gathering process where we try to analyze if the startup is actually ready to go in the market or does it have a loophole i'll give you a small story so yeah. one of my very first customers right like that was an australian company who uh, you know decided to work with us uh and you know very good founders they said okay i think you guys know what you are doing and i want to work with you they came to me with a simple idea and they were trying to solve some logistics problems in australia uh they wanted to digitize it and get everyone on a single platform and they had a simple idea where people could post a requirement and any anyone can bid for it we thought that that is something which is already happening why not we go two steps ahead not just one but two steps ahead and try to create a better ecosystem uh with that call went on for almost a month two and four discussion brainstorming finding the loopholes and when they actually created a ui ux prototype uh they took that prototype to coca cola and uh, coca cola incubated them just on the basis of the prototype itself the prototype itself so that was a huge yeah that was a huge validation for us and that yes that our process was good coca cola came on board they started talking about how did we think about this how did we solve this and uh, of course the vision of the founders and uh, when they came into the picture you can imagine what the picture was like <laughs> yeah right so if i could just add a little bit to that so maybe not just about the sdlc the software development life cycle but maybe also just really good product management usage yeah so skills that is where uh, yeah that is where the things start right like uh, requirement develop, uh, requirement gathering is where the things start about the uh, understanding of the product and seeing whether it is market fit and you know embedding it with features which can actually make it successful right you know like all the hacks that people use to acquire customers so first we do that second we create a very intuitive design which can attract people and bind them for a longer usage right which makes you want to come on the platform again and again like a simple feature like shorts uh, made a complete application like tiktok which was extremely successful right so those are the kind of things that we have to think and embed into our design you, then comes the development part where we ensure that the product is extremely scalable because a lot of founders make this mistake uh, you know they want to go with the best technology in the market where at times it is not even the best option for them so we we ensure that we are choosing the right technology which is more suitable for the vision and the product success so that is how we used to do it when we started the business off uh now we are working with almost uh, 80 plus unicorns across the globe 
and uh, we are we are not just restricted by early stage startups but we are also interested by the global startups who are the major leading unicorns across the globe congratulations that's that's fantastic you, you've mentioned a couple of times and i saw it in some of your other interviews just this idea of validation and i know a lot of that you know i talk a lot about validating an idea trying to figure out you know what the product market fit is going to be using research and you know customer conversations and all these kinds of things and and that oftentimes will lead into writing physical requirements for a piece of software is there is there a, a process you recommend in terms of validation like what what sort of things companies should be doing to validate uh, a project before they're even maybe you know building something out right away Absolutely. So every time we are taking a project, either we are dedicating our uh, few months of time, which it will take to build the project up, or we are dedicating some of our developers for that specific customer. And uh, we just want to ensure that, you know, this product really has the capacity to become the next big thing, mm -hmm. because only then we can proudly showcase it to our customer base, right? So we validate each idea we have. Uh, the validation is, I mean, the way we do it is we break it down into different steps. The first step has to be where, you know, we understand how did the idea came to the origin? What is the story behind it? Is it the found? So a lot of people, what they do is they try to solve somebody else's problem, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which is not actually required and you would never understand the true gist of the problem till the time you have not faced it yourself. Even your solutions will not be relevant enough. So we try to, we try, we always recommend this to our customers that to solve their own problems versus solving somebody else's problem great point yeah yeah, yeah. So and if you have a we, pain point and you can figure out how to solve it you've got a business how do you how do you recommend going about scaling that beyond because i have seen it with some founders where it's a pain point to me but it's not a wide enough pain point how do you distinguish there how do you think about so that, that is where the yeah so that is where the second steps come into the picture where the first step is to understand the idea and whether it is uh, actually your idea Second thing, uh, sorry, it's actually a startup worthy idea. Second is where we try to validate it with the market, where we try to find out at least 100, 150 genuine customers to this particular product and we take their surveys. Now you can take surveys in multiple formats, right? Like you can just simply create a Google form and take a, uh, you can take feedback or you can use tools uh, and you can create your own landing page website where, you know, you can put certain money into paid advertising and try to get people to sign up for your website. If that works, that it's automatically a validation. Right. So you're accomplishing some milestones, some early users or maybe betas or, you know, even just subscriptions to email, that type of thing, just as validation that there's the demand and interest out there. Yeah. It's yeah. simple. Like you just have to reach out to your genuine customers who are going to be there. Once your product is launched, you want to reach out to them before you even start uh, thinking about launching a product. So you create a problem, you find a problem, you create a solution, and then you take that solution to the audience and try to validate if they would really enjoy this. Yeah. If the answer, even if like 40% people say no, then I don't think it's a idea worth pursuing anymore. Uh, we need to have at least 70 to 80 people saying that, yes, this is a problem. The solution may vary, but at least they should agree to the problem. Yeah, I want to call out something you just said. I think it's really important for people to hear is that you're having those customer conversations before you start building something, right? So that you're not wasting time, energy, and money sort of chasing after this idea that no one wants. 
how does your team distinguish or how do you guys think about this idea of, okay, you have, you mentioned 70, 80 people who want something. Uh, how do you distinguish validating whether or not, because a, a challenge can be, it's sometimes it's easy for users to say, I want that pain point solved, but I may not be willing to pay for this solution. How do you all think about that when you work with customers? Part of that validation, does it include understanding if the end user will actually pay for whatever that is, right? Because it doesn't matter if I, if you say, Jonathan, I've got this really cool new microphone you should buy because the sound's amazing. Would you like to try one? And I go, sure, but I'd never pay you for it. That's not validation, right? You kind of got to get to a paying solution. So I guess the, the question I'm really trying to drive toward here is, you know, as part of the validation process with your customers, is there a component of that that is understanding whether or not their end customer would actually pay for the solution itself? How do you all think about that? How do you how do you include that in your validation? I think that is the most important part. Uh, that is exactly how a business is going to make money. So I think what you're really asking is the business model and the revenue model of the complete product that we're trying to build. Uh, yes, we do validate it. So when, when we say that we have to reach out to the end customers before validating the product, those 100, 150 people are there with you throughout the product, right? So when the, when you're trying to tell them a solution, we also ensure to ask them the questions like, uh, what amount would you be willing to pay for this? Would you be even willing to pay or not pay? Uh, we even give them a bracket, like, you know, let's say a zero to uh, $10 per month subscription charge, or maybe, you know, an yearly charge, what would they most likely be, uh, you know, willing to pay? Uh, sometimes the customer does not want to pay anything, in which case we need to make customers the product, right? Something what Google is very good at doing. That's a great call out right there. It's a, it's a great way for folks to think about that. So if, so if the end customer is not willing to pay, maybe they become... The, the thing itself. And as you said, you know, Facebook has a number of users and it's able to sell that to advertisers. That's a, that's a really good point. Uh, Sid, I'm curious, you mentioned that you work with true startups and then obviously really big companies too. Is, is your process in working with them? Does that vary a little bit depending on the phase of business that they're at? hundred uh, percent. So for the, for the clients who come to us at an early stage where they are just at the ideation stage, we provide them with these services of end-to-end product development where we give them, they tell us the idea, we do our process and we build the product for them. Uh, for the customers who are already, who already have an existing product and they want to scale that up, uh, basically they are only looking for good quality developers uh, who can join their workforce and who can speed up the complete, uh, you know, accelerate the complete process of the product. Right. Right. Uh, so that is where the difference lies, you know, like for the early stage, we are doing the product and for the funded startups, we are uh, taking a specific part of their whole product or we are providing them with the skilled developer who qualify to handle the massive scale of their business. Very cool. One of the last things I want to ask you about is, was again, watching another interview you did, it was really good. And you were talking about this idea of the chicken and the egg, right? The, having the customer and then needing money. Can you, can you walk the audience through that thought process a little bit? I think that's important for people to hear. So when I was starting the business, right? You know, like I mentioned, nobody wanted to do the business or want to take the ideas. And uh, it was very tough to even get few people to talk to you. Uh, that is where we really started, right? And that was, again, a chicken and egg problem because I first wanted to establish myself as a brand so that people can come to me and then I can start charging. But to, in order to do that, I needed money, which I did not have. 
right uh, so i i broke that uh, there are always two ways to do that right like one is you can raise investment from you know your peers or the second way you can have the best investors in the world which is your customers right great so i great went point. with yeah i went with the second approach where i made my customers my uh, investors uh, like i mentioned i started posting a lot about everything that i knew and there were a lot of people who wanted to talk to me but who were not willing to pay and i accepted it wholeheartedly so initially there were a few sessions which i even did uh, you know for a bare minimum cost uh, i never did it for free uh, because i feel like uh, if it is free it's not valuable enough so uh, we did keep the minimum basic charges but i definitely over delivered so there's no point undervaluing yourself but i think there's a more value in over delivering uh, what you commit so i made sure that you know whatever i was committing to my customers i at least delivered 2x to them so that they can one come back to me as a repeat customer and number two they can brag about me to their fellow uh, uh, you know to the fellow friends and colleagues That's and that right. really worked out that really worked out because these guys who got selected in coca cola they bragged about us to everyone because you know we were extremely affordable of course. at that point <laughs> <laughs> that's wonderful that's great insight uh, that you call out there and i, I want to point out something yeah, and, else and, okay well i was just going to say that i want to point out you know you calling out your customers as your investors you know the easy answer for a lot of startups is i want to go raise a bucket of money a whole bunch of money from you know institutionalized investors and and things like that and i don't think people understand quite what comes with that it's not you know you're not just getting a bucket of money you're getting you're getting some other things that come with it too so it's a great way to sort of flip that uh i might call it you were you were early on doing what we might call crowdsourcing right you were using your customers to sort of get your cash flow rolling and then just reinvesting uh soon back in the business and growing from no there. way yet yeah in a way yes yeah very 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 interesting interesting way to think about it well is a lot to consume there is a lot of tidbits that i encourage people to kind of go back and and listen to the things that sibis sharing is a lot of great lessons for startups in there um any any last parting words you want to share for someone who's an entrepreneur out there or or thinking about creating a startup uh, anything that anything else you can share with them sort of insights you learned along the way in your own process absolutely if a if a 26 year old guy could crack a deal with airbnb if a 27 year old guy could uh, you know purchase his first office right first year out of his business and if a 28 year old guy could employ 100 guys uh, and a 29 year old guy could start his second office in united states i think everything is doable uh, right sitting in indore where our headquartered is we very recently uh, last few a few months back we launched our second office uh, in united states Uh, which was a very very ambitious and a proud moment for us uh, something that we have been looking forward to from day one uh, i think if we can do this then definitely anyone in the world can do this you just need to have trust in yourself and be more practical rather than being more emotional wonderful congratulations on that by the way it's a really big accomplishment i'm very very excited and happy for you at the same time if folks want to connect with you or the company what's the best way to do that uh you can always check me out on the linkedin uh it goes just like graphics id there is no other company with that name okay. so it should be fairly easy and you can also check out our website uh, drop in a message on our uh, contact us form 
and uh, uh, you might uh, just have me as well reply on it every now and then i take up a few customers <laughs> that's wonderful i appreciate you spending time with us today thank you so much jonathan have a great day